Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tavichapai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. I was just at Jalen Brown's press conference where he spoke about his contract extension, but he also spoke about a whole bunch of other things. So we're going to digest that and kind of make sense of where the Celtics are at uh, following this extension. We'll talk about the extension itself. And then we have some news to talk about, uh, mostly about Mike Gorman, but a few other pieces of news. So this is the mostly Jalen Brown extension episode of the Celtics Lab Podcast with some news thrown in. How's that? Dr. Quinn, back from vacation. How was vacation? Well, I will say that if you want really, really good coffee and the beach and mountains in the same day, Oaxaca is a great place for that. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel like I only notice how bad the coffee I drink on a day-to-day basis is when I have a really good cup of coffee. Usually I'm just so excited to drink coffee in the morning that I don't really think about how how bad my homemade Trader Joe's coffee is until I go and have a really good cup of coffee. And then it's like, Oh, okay. There's, <laughs> there's more to this than there's danger in it too. I, I had a macchiato in a local cafe thinking, Oh, it's four o'clock. It'll be fine. Like 1 AM <laughs> the next morning. Oh. I finally fell asleep. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I run through a version of that play like two or three times a week. All right. Let's talk about this Jalen Brown extension. Anyone who's listening already knows he just inked the largest contract in NBA history. It's five years expected to be $304 million with cap projections. Um, it kicks in not this coming season, but the following season. There's a whole bunch of CBA stuff to consider and what happens to the Celtics long-term to consider. But I think we both, n- neither of us believed for a second it wasn't going to happen. Um, I was so getting a little it, worried. It was getting a little weird, but not like to the point where I was like paranoid. Yeah, and we'll get into the press conference later. No one really accounted for that. Um, But everyone seemed really happy and pumped, so I don't think there's any love lost. What were your immediate reactions to the the extension? Or rather, do you have any new thoughts that you've had a few days to think about it? Uh, My initial reactions were just that I'm happy for him. Uh, The discourse over whether or not he deserves it is stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he qualified for it. Therefore, he deserves it. That's how that works. If you don't like the rules, be mad at the rules. Yeah, I that's I, I've been shocked almost like reflexively. I feel like I like the deal more because of how negative some people have been. Look, that's the cost of doing business in the NBA. That's the price you pay. And and it's a, a great joy to grow a draft pick into an all NBA caliber player. The reward is you get to pay that player. And whether it's you know, someone like Damian Lillard or someone like Zach Levine, there are plenty of guys on max or max level, near max level deals that aren't worth that money anymore. And maybe Jalen some seasons isn't quite, you know, a super max caliber guy, but he's right around where you would want uh, to throw your money at. The thought experiment of what would the Boston do otherwise kind of falls apart pretty quickly. So um, I was saying this uh, earlier today on a different podcast that, Quite frankly, probably Jason Tatum is underpaid. He's probably worth more than 35%. So in aggregate, Jason and Jalen coming in at 70% feels fine to me. Um, Yeah, Boston has two all-NBA wings in their 20s on presumably long-term contracts. I think we think Tatum will will re-up. So it's a good problem to have. The other teams, I'm sure, are are jealous. Even if you don't want Jalen around, 
you know, long-term. If you wanted the Celtics to compete for titles and hopefully retain Jason Tatum, then this was really what you wanted to have happen anyway, because you're not getting anything of value back for him if you trade him without a contract extension. Uh, it's been covered extensively, so I won't waste any more time on it. But, you know, it's perfectly valid to not be into him making that much money if you don't like what he makes. But even if you want him on another team, this is what you want to happen. Yeah, again, I think it's just like a very Celtics-centric and Celtics fans are like, you're invited to take this tact. But a lot of other teams are hamstrung signing guys that are older or less reliable. I mean, look at Damian Lillard, not to pick on him. Not only is he, you know, going to be paid 60, $70 million into his thirties. He also has only been to what one conference finals, maybe two Jalen Brown's been to five. Like Jalen Brown has the bona fides of a supermax guy, even if he, you know, can't go left or he hurt his hand two playoffs in a row, um, which is severely overblown by the way. Guess what? No one played well in that Miami series. It wasn't just Jalen Brown. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into it because it's a big theme from the press conference. Jalen Brown's also a good dude. Sometimes we politically disagree with him and how he uses his bully pulpit, but I'm really happy that uh, someone with this much character and integrity is, you know, attached to the hip to Boston for the foreseeable future. I'm surprised, um, but we could talk about more, but like the comments that he made uh, and the way that he framed everything, uh, it's very interesting. I'll leave it at that. Sure. Uh, let's get into the presser in a moment. I'm going to ask you a question because I feel like I have heard from whether it was the Hoops, Hoop Collective or the Low Post or DMs with different basketball people, people that I respect their perspective on this. Basically, everyone has said it's a two-year window, not a five-year window, that in a few years... It, it just can be hard. a five-year window if they win the title because they're not going to spend this kind of money if they don't win a title. So yeah, it's a, almost certainly a two-year window without a title. Yeah, I mean, I guess just that expectation, I, I guess it depends on how it would go south. Like if the Jays both average 40 points in the postseason and everyone else comes up short, like maybe run it back. And who knows, maybe Wick Grasbeck will make even more money and he'll become, you know, a Lakeup or a Bomber. So I don't know, There was, there's just been commentary about this contract that, oh, it's a five-year deal, but really it's a two-year thing that... I, I think is worth exploring and understanding, but has been so, I feel like it has become dogma so quickly. And I just, I don't understand that. Least of which. Teams are good at finding ways around stuff and the way things look now, that that is the expectation. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. And that, you know, a year or two from now, we are seeing maneuvers, things no one thought of, some change in the CBA because people are pissed. Who knows? These things can happen. Like, they can alter the terms of the CBA if they really, really, really don't like something. They don't have to completely replace the entire CBA. So just because things look a certain sort of way right now doesn't necessarily mean things are exactly how we're going to expect them play out. We thought that the Supermax was something that no one would ever say no to. People have said no to a Supermax before. Uh, things can be things that people preach as gospel without the, without enough history Behind it, uh, I agree. We might be surprised. And just to put a bow on it, we've we've said this before and we'll say it again. The numbers on this contract are gobsmacking, but we just have to always keep in mind how much the salary cap is going up and expected to go up such that Jalen will only hold the mantle as highest paid NBA player for a brief moment. And in two years time, he'll be back to like 15th highest paid, which is probably market value for Jalen Brown. So 
Um, they are bigger numbers than any older NBA fan has ever seen. And, you know, they, they, they are exciting numbers to talk about. $69.2 million in the final year of his contract is nice. astounding. Yeah, nice to say, to say the least. Uh, but the, just the math around the NBA is changing and going to keep changing. So there's that. All right. Um, we can talk about the press conference. I'll set the, the stage and then you can kind of pepper me with questions just so I don't monologue. Jalen, he played a little coy when he was asked, but he is hosting, a. it's called the Bridge Program through the Juice Foundation. It's a program for black and brown teens in the Boston area, high school kids, to do um, STEAM activities. So science, technology, math, uh, engineering. Uh, I don't know. What, no, that's STEAM. I, they added STEAM? an A. Oh, well, I'm old. Arithmetic? I don't know. Um, but anyways, Jalen was on MIT's campus. He's been an MIT fellow for a while. And he said, well, look, I was going to be here anyways. Why not do it? So I feel like he is a thoughtful enough person that probably there's a little more intentionality going on there. Yeah. He told us that uh, he was in a robotics session when the ink, uh, well, actually not, we saw the ink drying, but when he the, the deal was finalized between his agent and the team. So anyways, not at the Auerbach Center. Jalen is flanked on either side of the media by a few dozen teenagers who are here doing programming at MIT and the Olympian John Carlos, who famously was one of two uh, black track athletes who raised a fist at the 1968 uh, Mexico games introduced Jalen. I, I talked to him. I didn't know much about his involvement with the bridge program, but Jalen was introduced and sitting next to, you know, a Titan of civil rights, or at least symbolically a Titan of civil rights in the United States while he signs this contract. It was a really cool moment. And then all the kids are behind him. Uh, I'd look up the pictures if anyone listening doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's just Jalen Brown's a different guy. And this was such a different experience than any NBA press conference I've ever been to. And then they kicked out the media. So ASAP for could perform for the kids. Like it was just crazy. Um, so that's the setting you can ask me to fill in the gaps. Yeah. So let's start with the guy or at least one of the guys, the main guy paying the bills. Uh, he was there, right? With Grasbeck. He was, he loves, Wick Rausbeck loves to be the center of attention. Um, he is not the biggest offender of NBA owners, but boy, oh boy, does he love working a room. Uh, so he was there. He introduced Jalen uh, reasonably unprompted, evoked Bill Russell's name pretty early on, talking about the type of person Jalen is, which feels fair and apt. I think Bill Russell would support that too. Um, so he started things off. He, he spoke about, obviously, we wanted to get this done, the type of player that Jalen is, the type of person he is for the for the uh, organization and the community um, to grouse back had some nice things to say, uh, nothing like quite frankly, that revealing, um, but he kicked things off and um, he, he was happy. People were happy. Like the mood was really good. The PR people were happy. Mike Zarin was buzzing around. Brad Stevens like tr truly couldn't stop smiling. It, it was a really happy scene. Um, and Grousebeck is, he seems like he's a happy guy anyways. So Jalen spoke a bit about the process of the negotiations, kind of opened the curtain just a little bit. What do you have to say? Not much. He quipped that this took longer than they wanted it uh, to, to take. Um, but I don't think either he or the team wanted to dwell on that. Um, so it, it was a more forward-facing thing. I'm sure there's like a throwaway line that maybe I missed that, <laughs> that you've seen in the audio transcription but even if you know he gave a line or two it, it really was forward-facing it wasn't 
Well, he, and now we're going to. What I saw well, that, that you're alluding to uh, is just that he said it went well because of his long relationship with the team, which is, you know, yeah. a great thing to hear, particularly yeah. considering the fact that uh, after all the times his name ended up in trade rumors, which will not be a thing this year, at least among people with a brain. Not until what's today, July 26th, not until July 26th, 2024. Um, yeah, no, that, I mean, he's the longest tenured Celtic now. I mean, he's the elder statesman. So I don't, I'm sure there was uh, tougher negotiations behind the scenes than either any party let on. But I also think that everyone knew that this was going to happen in one capacity or another. So another big thing that I, I gathered from scanning that stuff is that they were talking about the team and its style of play. Uh, first of all, how does Jalen feel about the team this season coming into it? Confident. Jalen's a confident guy. He said straight up, he was asked, does this team have the chops to compete? And he said, of course, I'm so excited or something to that effect. Um, afterwards, Joe Mazzula spoke to press and he was much more coy. Someone said, who's the starting point guard? And he said, it's July. I'm not telling you that. And then later said it's Derek White, but um, he was he was asked about how Porzingis fits in. Jalen gave platitudes. Missoula kind of held his cards close to his chest. So it was one of those. These are people who understand how NBA media works. So they gave cookie cutter answers, um, which is to say, but one of them wasn't so cookie cutter. And this is the thing that really surprised me is that. And forgive me if I'm jumping ahead of you here, but. They the the big thing about you know Missoula Ball and Joe's style of coaching is often tough and tough and tough and tough and yet Jalen seemed to frame Porzingis's addition around defense. Tell me a bit more about that. I mean, look, Porzingis is a really unique talent and and can change the defense. Um, Jalen, you know, talked about the absence of Marcus Smart and how you know the team has to account for. Uh, not defensive lapses, but kind of a deep changing defensive identity. Missoula, again, in this, you know, secondary press conference said something similar that we have to get back to not just a defensive identity, but a couple of defensive identities. So a little more variety on the defensive end. Um, so basically what's happening for anyone listening is I went to the press conference and sent just an audio and then drove home in traffic to make it in time for this podcast. So he's reviewed the minutes uh, so even though I'm I'm the primary, I might know the press conference better than you at this point. Yeah. He's the primary. So I'm the primary source, but he is the scholar here. Um, yeah. I think anyone who watched Celtics basketball last year knows that defense was what was lacking. And the reason that this super max, what isn't being signed by someone with a championship ring is perhaps because they couldn't get their defense in order or play so, against his own for that matter. He also had some comments about those trades uh, that changed the tenure of a team to what we all assume is going to be a more offensively oriented team. Uh, what do we have to say about losing Grant and or uh, Marcus? I've said they're both his brothers. He said it, it hurts. He talked about he and Smart have had a tumultuous relationship. He alluded to they put each other in headlocks at times, which I think he was maybe alluding to like physical fights that we haven't really been told about um but it's clear he respects the hell out of marcus smart how could he not and so he understands as he it's a huge change for boston um grant also you know glowing reviews it's funny uh john corrales asks uh, i'm sure people saw on social media that robert williams and grant williams 
both had screenshots of missed FaceTime calls to Jalen the day the extension came in and Jalen said, I'll just have to call him back. My phone has been busier than it's ever been. So I think he understands the basketball will look different and it should look different and it might have to look different. Uh, and I don't think those relationships have frayed either way, even if he has missed a few FaceTime calls. Well, one of the other things that I really wanted to talk about was the reason why he chose uh, the person who introduced him. And that's really like, you know, we talked about it being at a bridge program. He, he had some comments about what this uh, extension means for his extracurricular, if you want to call it that, or really curricular <laughs> activities, if we're being honest. Um, what do you have to say about what he wants to do? you know, with this money besides, you know, enjoy it and have a, you know, great life? Yes. It was very Jalen Brown. So Gary Washburn asked, what are you going to, you just inked generational wealth. I mean, $304 million is just money that no one listening has any context for. And Jalen could have said, I'm going to take care of my family. I'm gonna, you know, there's a million things you could do with that much money. And I'm not here to uh, pontificate, but Jalen Brown certainly knows what he's doing. He straight away, and I, it, it was such a, a well-made answer. I almost wonder if he was going to bring it up one way or the other. He said he wants to bring Black Wall Street to Boston. Um, he talked about how the city, he said it was top five, I think, by some metrics. Because Ayanna Presley told us her district is the most, has the most wealth inequality of any district in America. So I guess depending on how you slice it, Boston is among the most unequal places and certainly that cuts across racial lines. So he talked very specifically about wanting to address that and also not wanting to address that with, um, you know, giveaways or things like that, which would be fine, but by investing and building. And um, he talked about how it's an opportunity to create not just something that's better in Boston, but a model that the rest of the world could use. I mean, that's pretty heady stuff, but it's just interesting what 26 year old daydreams about using a $304 million check to address systemic racism in a, an adopted city. Uh, it's really, it just speaks to who Jalen Brown is. Um, again, we, we have openly disagreed with some of his politics or positions and that's fine. We don't have to agree on everything, but like just to say, Hey, yeah, actually like to help black and brown business owners, you know, help their kids get, get to trade school or beyond and, and grow their, their neighborhoods is a really great way to say this is what I'm going to do with a few extra million dollars. Anything else that we missed from the presser that uh, I did not glean from scanning your transcripts? No, it was unique. It was also very Jalen Brown. Um, there, it was well organized such that again, there were a lot of cookie cutter answers. I mean, I think the most sincerely Jalen talked was like his admiration for Marcus Smart or his desire to address wealth inequality. I think all the other stuff was kind of canned. Um, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, I don't think that that changes anything. I think everyone, again, just the energy in the room was really buzzing. Uh, the mood from everyone you talk to related to the team, Jalen's family, um, just everyone was happy. It was a big, big celebration. Um, so we'll do our due diligence and publish a few sticky quotes, but the headline really is Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown signs record deal and everyone smiles about it. 
So we're done then. The offseason is over, right? Or is there more to do? No, there's more to do. Um, and we'll talk about that now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Boston has 11 guys signed right now, technically. They oh, have I haven't one. been keeping track, but they they only have one regular roster spot open and one two-way roster spot open. So they do need to fill those. Very I think exciting. It's, I think it's fill a roster spot, one two-way, and then decide on Yes. So 11 guys are in the books, as many as 14 guys are in the books. Um, our previous episode of the podcast, we looked at who Boston maybe should sign. So I would rather than rehash that, I would just encourage people to consider that. Although it's worth noting that uh, since then, the reporting suggests that Blake Griffin is probably moving on. Um, can you tell us more about that? And if you think it's fair or foul? Yeah, so that is from uh, our buddy Brian Robb over at Mass Live. And as far as I am aware, I've heard rumbles that he is looking for guaranteed money and he's not going to get guaranteed money at this point in the offseason. That doesn't mean he's gone for sure, but, you know, I think they like him. I think that they're trying to find someone who can add more than he can give on a night-to-night basis. He can be great. He was great last season here and there. The other nights he was kind of just invisible and they, they need more than that, you know, at this point. So yeah. I think that's where that stands. Yeah. There's a world where he ends up on the team because continuity is good and he's a leader in the locker room. But I think that that's exactly right. Um, a person who is returning, but for one last ride is Mike Gorman, who has been calling Boston Celtics games and college basketball games. And I mean, he's been in the business for I think he's 75. He's been doing it since he's, he was in his 20s. I mean, he's just been uh, a legendary broadcaster, not just in Boston. I mean, obviously we have ties to him, but like around the country. Um, he told Jared Weiss at The Athletic, and this is stuff that we had heard kind of off the record, that this coming season was going to be his last year, or at least that's what Gorman thinks. Who knows? Um, there's nothing smart to add, and there's I don't think there's any accolades that are too hyperbolic. I mean, it's just a really good person and a really iconic person. And hopefully it's a fun swan song, you know? Yeah. He doesn't sound like he's doing any more away games, at least the ones that you need to fly for. So when he's on relish it, uh, I'm glad he's back for another season. I'm going to be sad when he's gone. So hopefully we, we still get to see him around from time to time. I, I'm pretty sure the Celtics will be more than happy to give him some seats anytime he wants to uh, show up for a game or maybe uh, pop on for a guest spot. Yeah, he's had problems with his eyes, um, which obviously isn't great in his line of work. Kind of kind of important, I, yeah. I know people who have eye problems that flying is a challenge. I, that's not something I'm saying for sure, but I wonder. But if you talk to him or you see him at games, he's still there. I mean, he's still, uh, he also loves to run a room, although he's kind of a quiet guy. Um, so we wish him all the best, obviously. Uh, okay, a few other pieces of news, and then we're out of here. Peyton Pritchard is going to be part of that USA select team that's going to scrimmage Team USA ahead of FIBA. And that doesn't really matter unless you are part of Boston's brass and you're wondering whether or not you should trade Peyton Pritchard because this could either be a showcase that like, hey, for $4 million, look what you can have. Or, uh uh-oh, he doesn't look so good and probably he's going to ride it out here. Yeah, I don't even think it'll be all that much of a showcase either because he's mostly going to be scrimmaging, but... Kind of, you know, you got to let these guys do these things. I'm a lot more concerned about Chris Porzingis playing for his national team because we know how that went last summer. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, Winning Time, the HBO show, that was, I liked. I didn't think it was great for being All right. Uh, it was fine. Something uh, to watch when there's not much to watch. Sure. It's coming back for a second season, and this season should feature the Celtics and Larry Bird. So there will be much more for Celtics fans to enjoy. Um, although not Bo Burnham, who was supposed to play Larry Bird originally and then dropped out. I don't know who's playing Bird now. Okay, last piece of news. Somebody, it, some Sean Michael, Patrick Michael Smalls, I think. Something Smalls. Sure, I don't know. Speaking of Smalls, uh, Kemba Walker is going to go play for AS Monaco. And uh, we wish him all the best. Um, semi-retirement in the south of France is not a bad gig. And AS Monaco over the past few years has just like continued to climb the EuroLeague ladder. So it might not even be that much of a retirement. He might be playing some pretty competitive basketball. So Kemba, congrats. That's dope. And AS Monaco has been all over marketing that. So I think he's going to be something of a star. Um, but even if it goes south, great place to be in the world. I mean, if Shane Larkin can be an MVP of that league, I, I see no reason why Kemba can't carve a role out for himself. Maybe he doesn't have the burst that Larkin has, but he'll do well over there. All right. That's what you all came here to listen to is us, <laughs> us wondering what happens next in EuroLeague. All right. Uh, Alex, we love you and we miss you <laughs> wherever you are. Uh, Dr. Quinn, glad you're back from vacation. Jalen Brown and Brown family, congratulations. If you had to pick, I would prioritize seeing the Barbie movie over Oppenheimer. Uh, I just thought that Barbie movie blew my barn doors off and Oppenheimer was way too long, uh, but they're both pretty good. Otherwise, uh, who knows what we'll talk about next week because save that one or two roster decisions, the offseason really is upon us. So we'll be back next week, but Lord knows what we're going to talk about. You'll just have to wait and see. Adios.